brother Red Sox Nation It's a kind of a family Wherever I roam, a Fenway home That's where I long to be I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation It's a kind of insanity Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity I fake a smile November until opening day Suffering baseball withdrawal around the clock When April comes, hey, meet me down on Yawkey Way That's when Red Sox Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, and wherever you can find it on Google. Red Sox, as we are all aware, have won the World Series, and we kind of covered most of that in the last episode. So from here up until spring training, we will be covering all things hot stove. Uh, Tonight will specifically be Red Sox, but we will throughout the winter be talking some MLB-wide as well. I am Terry Cushman, and I am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, Terry. Good, good. So we're all just kind of, you know, taking in the uh, aftermath of uh, a World Series win and kind of trying to get an idea of where the front office will go with um, whatever moves they intend to make in the coming weeks. So uh, let's start with Nathan Evaldi, who quickly became a Red Sox post-series legend with that 97-pitch extra innings effort and some key uh, you know, late-inning relief appearances throughout the playoffs. Uh, what are your expectations uh, as to whether or not we will resign him? Well, I think they will. I think Dobrowski will try to sign him. This is not a star-studded free agent class, uh, you know, across Major League Baseball for pitching. And Avaldi, uh, as good as he was in the postseason, uh, is going to be a tremendous value. Obviously, he's going to. Perform in Boston, the city's not going to swallow him whole as it does some pitchers. So there's some value in know and knowing the commodity that you're going to, you know, hopefully sign. With that said, um, the thing I've been wrestling with, um, knowing this was going to be a topic, was how much value to place on Evaldi playoffs, uh, his playoff performance versus what he's been and and over the course of his career and what he is or was for the Red Sox because in the regular season because he wasn't and has not been, you know, he's not a top 10 Cy Young candidate guy. Um, he's an above average right-handed pitcher who is an above is an elite strike thrower with an elite fastball and obviously he he's tough as nails, which we found out, you know, in the postseason. So, um, 
my concern, and I think I've commented on this in the past, is 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 he going to be overpriced due to the playoff performance? Are our teams going to step back and go, okay, what's the form that we're going to get over 162 games? And also, I think the fact that he's had two Tommy John surgeries is a factor. With all that said, I'd love to see him a Red Sox for two years. And I'd overpay if you can get him on that term um, because there's just not a lot of – if he blows out his arm, like, okay, you took a shot, you you know. But it's only two years. I mean, we've done worse with, with recent contracts like Hanley and Panda and all these other terrible deals we've had, you know, Carl Crawford. and So if you could get him for two years and $30 million or less – I'd do it. Yeah, and uh, I'm basically right there with you. And I think thirty million over two years would be tops for his market. Um, you look at guys like Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb. They're both post Tommy John surgery guys, and quite frankly, they they've had better uh, careers up until this point than Nathan Avaldi has. Avaldi is a, you know, a career, I think, 420 or so guy, you know, in the ERA department. And um, so I don't think, I, I don't think his contract will exceed theirs. Um, you know, the sticking point, like you said, could be the number of years. And if the Red Sox stick to their guns at two, I guess I could go a third. I don't want to, but I would. It, you know, if that's what the market dictated, but four years, five years, I'm definitely not interested at that point, and I would look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that with his with his health issues. The third year is here's how I'd structure a third year: three years, forty five million, so an an AAV of fifteen per. But then say, give him a $7.5 million buyout. So so it's a team option. Either you pay him the 15 or you pay him 50 cents on the dollar and he goes. Like, I'd be okay with that because you're the Red Sox and you can. Um, now, I understand that's, you know, with price opting in, which I'm sure is something we're going to touch on, it's... Um, Go sit on the couch. Go sit on the couch. Hey, Terry, sorry about that, buddy. That's My okay. uh, five-year-old son just he surprised the absolute. <laughs> he escaped and he surprised me. Um, and uh, I guess he, he, he uh, the tricky little guy, uh, fakes sleeping until my wife falls asleep, or and then she leaves him alone, and then he like sneaks out and just surprised the hell out of me. So um, look, I think Avaldi is um, you know three eight one this year. He was a four point one six career guy. He um, he has a ton of value. I think the value is that unlike let's say David Price until about thirty days ago you know that he's not going to get swallowed whole by the city and the, and the big innings that he would pitch in this ballpark. So I th- he's got a lot of value. Um, and I think he lengthens your starting rotation. Um, and then the other thing is, again, expecting to be in the playoffs next year, he's your Rover guy, which, you know, in a, sh- in a short five game series, he's, uh, you know, becomes almost invaluable in a playoff situation. True. Absolutely true. And another thing that might get lost here is, we're probably going to have Chris Sale for at least three months, you know, he'll at least actively. Uh, David Price, 
not going anywhere, as we will discuss. Rick Porcello, absolute horse. Erod should be solid if he can stay healthy. You know, if he doesn't get in any, you know, base running collisions or or whatnot or any freak accidents. So there's your one, two, three, four, and Evaldi would definitely slot in, you know, over you know the Brian Johnsons of the team anyway. So he would have a spot, but in a pinch. If we need a solid late-inning reliever, we have that guy too. So um, that just definitely adds to the value uh, for me. And he's a multifaceted guy that seems to be willing to do anything. Yeah, yeah, dead on. This is uh, we, we seem to agree top to bottom. The other thing, the other factor that I would consider when you're talking about what you're willing to pay him they're announcing that Sale is not going to have surgery. I don't really know what to make of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, I'd like to maybe see his medical records, but we're not going to see that. Avaldi gives you some ability to pitch, um, you know, in a stopper type situation because of the 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 toughness he's shown. Where you can put him in a start, you know, where you're in a mini losing streak, three, four games, and he can be the Kurt Schilling, Pedro, Sale weapon there to put an end to a losing streak and get you going right back in the right direction. Um, you know, and and look, this team's gonna want to have six starters like they had this year to start the season. With the issue with Sales, I'm gonna assume it's a shoulder. Um, so you know, we. Uh, I think we agree top to bottom here, and and I would overpay him a little bit if it meant, you know, giving the flexibility in the rotation and 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 knowing what he's done in this city already in a really small sample size. But um, I, I wouldn't mind overpaying for this guy, especially on a two-year deal. Right, and the other thing too with a third year before we do move on, um, you could do. You know, you could do vesting options for that year to kick in. So, for instance, if he pitches, say, 160, 170 innings, uh, he averages that over the first two years, then the option kicks in. And, you know, we've seen similar stuff. Koji had one. I forget the details. And um, I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot because that, that keeps him, you know, he's going to – it gives you the protection of an injury, um, and, and it makes him say, okay, well, you have some concerns. I'll bet on myself and do that. And he seems like a competitor. I don't think he's going to shy away from that that type of that type of option. I think that's a really good idea as well. Right. And all right, so uh, another, uh, you know, key figure uh, in the bullpen is Craig Kimbrell. And Dombrowski – basically uh, spoke with the media today, covered a multitude of issues, and said that he was open to bringing back Kimbrell. However, he does. if that doesn't work out, he says he sees Barnes and Brazier as potential ninth-inning guys. So with that type of rhetoric, even though he's kind of, like he said, leaving the door open, it sounds to me like he is about ready to move on. Uh, from Kimbrell based on the Brazier Barnes talk. I, I saw the Brazier Barnes comment as we're going to move on from you, Craig, if you're not realistic about the money. Um, 
and I honestly that's why I thought that 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 I thought that comment through the media was aimed at Kimbrell. Um, I'm sure they've had talks. I'm sure the team knows what he's looking for, and I'm sure the team has told him what they're probably willing to do. And the number that, you know, there's probably a number in between, especially if it's like a two-year deal again because Kimbrell's got some miles at this point in his career. Um, I just, I'm not enamored with Kimbrell. Um, we've, you know, I'm, I'm not shy about how much I'm infatuated with strike throwers out of the bullpen, and that's not Kimbrell. He's great. He's a great closer. Uh, he's been historically great at times, um, and he's got electric stuff. But he's put himself in some situations where he was actually one of the lone really kind of dark spots on the roster this playoff run. And I know he got the saves and he got the outs he needed, as Cora would say. He, you know, he got the outs he needed, but he's just he notoriously makes it difficult on himself. And you know, there's someone out there saying something to the effect of, well, the grass isn't necessarily going to be greener with the next guy because that's the highest leverage spot you can put a reliever. I get it. I got it. I know. Um, I just think I'd rather see someone that's a little bit more of a strike thrower in that spot. Um, so, uh, you know, do I want him back? You know, yeah. I guess I'm going to let you lead uh, hit lead off on what you think would be a good idea for him for a contract, and maybe I'll piggyback off your comment there. Well, right now, that exact point is up for interpretation. Um, for Kimbrell, there's there's two different ranges. You, some people, and Rob Bradford, I think, was talking about it earlier from WEI, thinking that he might get a record contract more than Aroldis Chapman, which would be somewhere along the lines of, say, Five years, ninety million. You know that would be just above uh, where Chapman is. And but I'm kind of thinking with the way he was trending. You know, teams seem to have him figured out, and and he he couldn't really get a step ahead of them once they did figure him out. Like he wasn't making adjustments, and he did not look good at all in the ALDS or the ALCS, but seemed to figure it out for the World Series. So who really knows, you know, where he's at with how effective he's going to be. But you got the Chapman range, like I just pointed out, and the lower end of that might be a Wade Davis type deal. He signed a three-year, $57 million deal. So what's that? Three eighteen million per year, something like that. And when when Davis signed that deal, I was a little surprised it was that low in terms of number of years. But that's where it ended up. And with Kimbrel being thirty and his numbers trending the wrong way, I think that's where his market will eventually come down. And but it's somewhere between Wade Davis and Chapman for sure. And I just don't know if. If a three-year, close to twenty million a year is gonna is gonna get it done, you know, if that if the Red Sox are gonna be willing to do that, um, if that's the analysis, then let's just move on to the next player because no, right, absolutely not, no, no, because look, whatever move you make, you have to keep in mind that. Down the pike comes Bogarts, comes Betts. I, and there's a certain segment of 
people listening to this podcast that may roll their eyes at this, but the team does value JBJ. Uh, we, we're nowhere near having to worry about Benintendi. But there, there's just money that's going to be earmarked for Bogarts and especially, obviously, bets. And if you're talking about 60 mil over three years for Craig Kimball, um, I'd just rather talk about the next player because there's just uh, – that will – yeah, no. I don't need to give any more analysis. I was thinking like another another deal where he's at $10 million a year. And if for two or three years, I would do that. But anything, anything in the range of twenty million dollars could just get just get the hell out of here. Yeah. Sorry. No. Why? Why? I mean, and here's the other thing. Um, this team has showed a, a, a great amount of um, versatility, um, and I don't think Brazier or Barnes are going to be the day in day out answer, but. And let's not go back to the closer by committee situation, but they're going to spend some money on an arm. Um, and I just assume figure that out, even if it's next August at the trade deadline to solidify that. If we, if we are good again and we are looking like we're going to make another run, then up front 60 million to Kimbrell. Yeah. And the other thing I, I probably should have mentioned uh, at the start of this is he will inevitably be um, given a qualifying offer. So basically, what that yeah, means, no, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, what that means is he can take I think it's seventeen point nine million for one year, and if he rejects that, and I'm sure he's going to, that would um, wherever he goes, Atlanta is still my anticipated spot for him but if it's atlanta or just another big market looking for you know a top closer um you know we'll get their first round draft pick basically and that could also limit his market so he might only go to a team that's really not worried about it maybe their farm is strong enough so they're gonna cough up that pick because they have a bunch of young controllable um you know baseball players so yeah, the- that that's a fact. That's a factor. I I I think they're going to do that for a couple of reasons. One one year, seventeen million. I would do it if if that's what it's going to take. Like I I would I would do that, especially because this team is loaded and kind of going to be coming back as the favorite. So no problem there. Um, and it's not the twenty million that scares me. It's the twenty million for three years. If we're talking one year, and you want to just go way over the tax threshold next year and try to go back to back. Look, you know, sign me up for that. I'm all in. But uh, the second factor, and why, I, from what I've read, that's it's almost a, you know, a guarantee that they'll do it. Is if someone does sign Kimbrel, then we we get another pick. And this team, and we've touched on it. This team needs help in the farm system. They need arms. They need you know young bats. They, they top to bottom, it's not a great system. So adding a first round pick is just clearly another, or, or the chance to is another reason to issue that qualifying offer. Right. Yeah, and I I fully expect them to do that. I'm actually, as we speak, I've been kind of trying to find confirmation of when is Ryan Brazier a free agent, and Sport Track has him. Basically, a free agent right now. Uh, uh, baseballreference.com, which I use a lot specifically for, for looking at contract details, lists him as controllable through 2024. 
2023, I believe. Or no, that's when he is a free agent. It's 2023. And he won't be arbitration eligible until 2020. And as I've been looking through my media feeds, there's all kinds of talk about Ryan Brazier pitching in the late innings for the Red Sox. And none of the writers seem to be mentioning anything about free agency. So I'm going to go with... um, uh, baseballreference.com here and um, assume that their info is correct. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I've read the same pages you've read, and my thought was he was signed from an international uh, system, which would make him, you know, basically a free agent. Um, so I'm not exactly sure why Dombrowski would say he's considering Barnes and or Brazier in that role. Uh, if he didn't have Brazier under under uh, control, would it would make no sense because he would basically be bolstering Brazier's uh, leverage uh, at negotiations for what for no reason, like you know, because then you're you're like if he is a free agent, then he could be asking uh, closer money where he wouldn't be otherwise. So it just doesn't make sense and. I don't know why the information isn't readily available because baseball is the absolute best sport with giving you all the facts and circumstances necessary to understand the roster and the options and the contracts and all this stuff. But Brazier's like in the Bermuda Triangle of baseball factoids here. I, I can't find it at all. Yeah, he's just still just a tiny speck on the map for having played such a critical role in the World Series. But um, but that's fine. We'll uh, I'm sure we'll have it figured out. Uh, quickly enough uh, another guy uh, of intrigue that is also a free agent is Joe Kelly um, oh. what are your how would you like to see the team uh, approach or not approach him he's got to be approached he's a power arm um He's a power arm. He's a strikeout guy. He's, and he became an elite strike thrower in the playoffs. And if that's the version you get, I mean, he's he could be your closer. The problem is he goes into like month long, half season long droughts where he just doesn't throw strikes, and he's he literally loses you games. Um, so he's he's an interesting case, and his value becomes more difficult because of his inconsistency. And he, it's it's never tied to an injury that I've known. He just doesn't. He just completely loses it for 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 extended periods of time. Um, but he showed that he was just such an, a, a weapon um, in the, in this playoff run. He again, like Avaldi, what are you paying for? Are you paying for the Kelly that just dominated three rounds of the playoffs, or are you paying for the Kelly that really pitched himself out of the bullpen rotation from basically? mid-July until the end of the season. And I think that's a significant factor. I, again, bullpen guys typically don't get long-term deals. Like, you know, Miller with Cleveland got three. That's pretty unusual for a non-closer. Um, I would say if you could get Kelly for two and ten, that's something that I that would entice me. I think that's, you know, rele- like non, non-closer relievers are – Typically somewhere between like one and three and a half million, so I think that's the high end for a non-closer. But but I think he's worth it because 
when he's good, he's really, he's really, really good. He's really versatile. He can pitch in the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth. So, but your thoughts, Terry? Yeah, his market will probably be a little higher than that. Um, a, a good comp, I, I feel like, might be Addison Reed, who pitched the uh, second half of the twenty. 20- 17 season with us and i think he got something like a a two-year 16 million dollar deal which didn't work out very well by the way uh from the twins but so that that was eight per year um i feel like that's probably about his value maybe a third year where he's 30 i don't know um, but that that's the tough thing is how do other teams look at him? Because if they look at him as a closer, closer money would be at least $10 million, you know, per year. And that's that's the low end of closer money. I mean, we're seeing guys get closer to 20. But even even if it came out to be three years, $30 million, that's too much. And I don't think the Red Sox are going to go there. So... It just depends on, you know, like I said, what other teams, you know, view him as. And the way I look at it is is similar to how you looked at it. He's been in the major leagues for parts of, of six seasons now. And if he was going to be a closer or even an everyday eighth inning guy, he would have been able to establish himself that, you know, as that by now. And... You know, coming through the month of September, it was questionable as to whether or not he would be on the postseason roster at all. And most of us kind of figured he would because our bullpen was just so bad that we were simply going to have to put him on it. And he ended up on it. And the month of October came around, and it's like he flipped a switch. And he was probably I don't was he the best in our bullpen he might have been I mean Kimbrell certainly wasn't and um well besides probably the rover position yeah because that was pretty dominant I thought he was definitely our most well Brazier him and Brazier were really solidifying forces with Barnes next and then Kimbrell a distant fourth so so just to touch quickly on a couple of your um comments on Kelly Addison Reed to me is actually a good scare tactic for teams that are thinking about three years and and that type of money addison reed stinks he had one good year i think with the mets and he was labeled as the eighth inning guy um this team really hasn't had a clear-cut eighth inning guy and did certainly didn't this year and it worked out just fine um he's just not going to i i think that he's not to put a button on on the addison reed Addison Reed was wildly overpriced and and he did not pitch well in Boston and I was shocked that he got that money afterwards. Um it's 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 a sign to me that um should hopefully scare some teams away because uh, Addison Reed doesn't throw as hard but he was a fastball slider guy just like uh, Kelly is. Um but he had notoriously pitched later on in uh, I'm sorry in late inning situations where Kelly isn't notor- it doesn't have that history. Moving on to his his value based on you know whether you see him as a playoff performer, or a regular season performer. The other factor is if a team jumps in and offers him to get back in the starting rotation. Uh, when he was with the Cardinals, he started um, a game in the World Series at, um, with the Cardinals against the Red Sox, I think. 
I don't think that's a factor. I think he's comfortable in the bullpen. I haven't heard any of those rumblings. Um, you know, we consistently heard them with Papelbon, where he always hinted like he wanted to go back be a starter. Starter money would be enticing to Kelly. Um, assuming we don't hear that, um, he is a power arm, and I do think there's going to be a market for him in Major League Baseball. I, I wonder if there's a possibility that the closeness of this clubhouse and the the ability to know you're going to pitch in a city that's going to care about your team, you're going to win, you have a chance to repeat, may bring a guy like Kelly back um, if, if the Red Sox are competitive but maybe not the highest bidder. I don't know if you have some thoughts on that, Terry. Yeah, I mean, he, he might take a slight discount to stay here. Um, but like I said, it just all comes down to how other teams see him. I definitely do not see him as a closer. Uh, ideally, his most optimal numbers will come as a situational late-inning reliever, whether it's the 6th, 7th, 8th inning, and... Hopefully not on back-to-back days. He does have better numbers when he's not brought in, you know, multiple days in a row. Um, and I just think that's where his value is. That's where his, that's how he will generate his best numbers. And if nobody, you know, backs up the Brinks truck for him, I think the Red Sox stand a great chance to re-sign him and. Uh, I hope it happens. I, I hope it happens. I've been s- somewhat of a Kelly apologist, and he, you know, he f- kind of fell off the cliff a little bit in early July, and I really thought he would figure it out before the playoffs. But um, I, you know, I, I would definitely uh, do whatever, whatever we could to keep him because, like you have been alluding to, Boston is a tough city to uh pitch in and um he's proven that he can do it you know it's funny i i I may i may not have said that but for the playoff run because this regular season he completely was a non-factor to the point where he was really legitimately jeopardizing leads losing games Uh, i was at a game he lost uh the the late uh the August, mid-August start David Price had against the Astros at home where he just didn't throw strikes. Um, it's amazing how a playoff run, run can change the valuation of an athlete, and I think there's no better circumstances to dictate that example other than this, you know, other Evaldi and, and maybe to a greater extent Kelly. Um, with that said, I think you're right. I, I, obviously, he he embraced the big moment even despite the, the poor regular season. And um, I do want him back, um, and not for nostalgic purposes. Uh, I'm not a nostalgic guy uh, when it comes to my 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 the the, the players on the team because I really truly root for the team, not necessarily just the players. So um, I just think the difference between Evaldi and Kelly is Kelly's had zero track record of injury. So you may see a team willing to go to a rare third or four years uh, uh, on the term for a contract for a reliever. Uh, where you, I just don't think you're going to see that with Evaldi, um, especially with a mid-market, small-market team. No one wants to be cash-strapped with a guy who just blew out his arm. So Kelly, no history of injury whatsoever, uh, has actually been tremendously durable. Um uh, I just maybe, maybe you get to the realm of a fourth year where the Red Sox just aren't going to do it. 
Yeah, I don't. The only reliever on the market that you know might reach four years, I think, is uh, Kimbrel, uh, or maybe Zach Britton. Actually, he'll be on the market as well. But um, but yeah, I hopefully hopefully it happens. Uh, another thing that happened of note today is the Red Sox cut ties with. Uh, Carson Smith, who uh, controversially threw out his shoulder and then proceeded to throw the manager under the bus, and um, which probably wrongly, by the way, <laughs> without any reason to do so, completely inaccurate. You know, bye, Carson. You, yeah, you, you stink. Bye. You you have no value. Um, where what what was the trade? Who did we give up to get him again, Terry? If you recall, yeah, that was Wade Miley and a prospect that didn't even matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a net net negative effect there. I mean, Wade Miley was pretty good for the Brewers. Um, he would not have been on this team, so I, I you know, it, sting, it makes it sting a little bit less because you did trade an asset there. He Wade Miley was never going to be a, a long term fix for this for this club, but. You know, um, I I was in the car. I remember where I was when I heard that, and I remarked about how unimportant it was to me. Um, he stunk. He uh, the way he he tried to blame anyone but himself for his second significant injury while being a Boston Red Sox just almost made me chuckle uh, at how pathetic he is. Um, you know, so Carson Smith, bye. Yeah. I won't miss him, but uh, the other guy that the other guy I won't miss uh, is Drew Pomerantz. <laughs> that guy, I, and I don't understand. I, I, he had a half season here a year ago where he was like, you know, they Nesson. It's almost like the Red Sox were making them do it. Put up like that stat where he was like twenty six quality starts in a row or some thing. I can't remember the specific stat. I just remember rolling my eyes at it. That guy sucks, and he and he's just not a competitor. Um, um, I I can't wait to not see him pitch next year. Um, I, I he the fact that he was on the World Series rocks roster was shocking. We we commented about the, how laughable it was that they waited till the nineteenth inning to get him hot in Game Three of the World Series. Um. And I don't know what his money is, but I think it's enough that it's going to free up a little bit of flexibility. Maybe that'll help um, with a guy like Joe Kelly. I'm not sure, but you know, there's another guy that I just I can't wait to never see again. Yeah, I think he. It is a little bit of money. I think it's like eight and a half million or something. So, um, yeah, so that'll come off. Uh, you know, I didn't. It is eight and a half. You're right, and he's an unres- he's an unrestricted free agent. They would never risk. By the way, you're talking about qualifying offers. The safest bet in the history of betting would be that the Red Sox are going to have nothing to do with this guy. Yeah, so no qualifying offer. Bye, Drew. Bye. I, I I'm positive of that as well. You know, they won't bring him back, but. Um... I didn't hate him, but with that being said, throughout much of the season, I didn't have any confidence in him either. Um, he he was one of those guys who kind of, up until probably 2015 or maybe even the start of the 2016 season, bounced around from team to team in the rotation, in the bullpen, and it just seemed like 
he'd go on a run, you know, as as a starter, but then his his arm would crap out, and I just don't think I don't think he ever should have transitioned into a starting pitcher. Even though 2017, he did put up some decent numbers, and you know, for 2016 as well, his arm was kind of tired by the time we got him, and, and of course the Padres kind of covered up some medical stuff he had some stem cell injections and that wasn't a great situation but you know it's just unfortunate it didn't it didn't work out i guess in hindsight the writing was on the wall um so he's been with he was drafted by the indians he's been in the rockies organization he pitched with the athletics he made an all-star game with san diego in 16 and then we traded for him and as you alluded to some of that there was some funny business with the medical records and we actually had not the commissioner's office gave the red sox the opportunity to rescind the trade and and the red sox rejected that opportunity um so the problem with pomerantz is always that he was not he was not even an average strike thrower uh, he i would consider him a below average strike thrower and unlike kelly who is also typically a below average strike thrower he does not have a plus fastball and, you know his fastball is like 87 89 uh, and then, you know, and they always blame like health and everything else. There's always some goddamn thing with him. And the other thing is they touted him as some versatile, you know, reliever starter guy. And the Red Sox always wanted him to be a starter, but always said he could pitch in relief. And maybe they did envision him at some point in that, you know, you know, ability to pitch in the Rover. But he stinks. His stuff's not good enough. He doesn't throw enough strikes. He's not a competitor, um, and for the people that are are surprised by the way his tenure with the Red Sox ended, I would be surprised why you're surprised because he just to me never showed any any facet of being a professional athlete, a professional pitcher. N- none of the facets of his game were elite or even above average in my mind, except for maybe his curveball. Yeah, well, that's what it was, was his knuckle curve is what most of his arsenal was predicated on. And so if he couldn't throw that, like he couldn't. Well, he, he could never throw it for a strike. Right. Smart professional hitters just laid off it, watch it bounce at 58 feet, and then they moved and waited for the fastball. Yeah. Um, we'll uh, get into uh, David Price now. Uh, not a shocker, obviously. Um he uh, has opted in and uh, will in all likelihood be here for another uh, four years. So plus side to that is he finally did win in the postseason. He's coming off of a good regular season anyway. No reason why he shouldn't uh, do the same this coming year and seems to be adapting to uh, you know, throwing at a little bit lower velocity. You know, his fastball average is, what, 92, 93 now. And, uh, you know, that's good to see because some some power arms never figured that out. So he's kind of transitioning pretty well. And uh, that's the good news. The bad news is there's always potential for drama. And both of us don't, you know don't digest that very well, I guess. And um, he could easily create a toxic clubhouse if other circumstances, you know, kind of fell, you know, the right way. 
So um, I don't know. So, so, so I'm I'm not crazy about him, but you know we're stuck well, with him nonetheless. Terry, Terry, he holds all the cards now. <laughs> he does, and I've been he told does. that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. Um, and one of those cards is it is a surprise ability late in the season to throw the change up as a plus pitch for him, and that is coincided with the dip in velocity. I I don't I don't. I don't look at David any different because he's not throwing 96 anymore. He showed in the playoffs that he has that club in his bag. It's something he doesn't want to use unless he has to. Um, So we know it's still there. It's just never going to be there for 100 pitches. I would much rather 92 with a change, the the breaking pitch and the cutter, than, than some elite fastball that, you know, he can flash and get you a strikeout, but I, I think over the course of the length of a four-term deal, because we have him for four years, so we first of all, any Red Sox fan is going to say, "Well, we want him healthy," and um, I think with that, I, I'm happy with 92, 93, especially if he can locate it, uh, and then that changeup that he featured late in the playoffs. Um, I think he threw it 23% of the time. It might have been 23 pitches or 23% of the time, or whatever the stat was. Um, you know, look, uh, it's no surprise that Pedro was as good as he was as long as he was because he had that, that elite circle change up the year. He hurt his shoulder in the all-star game in 1999. Um, he relied heavily on that change up and he was still an elite pitcher with it. And I think David can learn from that. Maybe he's talked to, to Pedro. I don't know. Obviously Pedro stays, you know, involved in the organization. So, um, you know, now with that said, I, I'm, I'm, Everything about David Price, I watch with one eye and one, you know, through just like a hairy eyeball situation. But we need him. He had to be here, even at the money. I know, you know, the money makes some people sick, but he has to be here for this team to be good. Um, and I, I, again, Kelly, we've talked about it with Kelly. We've talked about it with Avaldi, where on um, October 1st, we felt a lot of we felt certain ways about certain uh, guys on this team, and then the playoffs changed that perspective. And I think that's no more true than it is with David Price. So, look, we've talked about it extensively, Terry. Um, neither of us are huge David Price guys, but at the end of the day, he does make your team better, and um, and he had here for, in my opinion, for this team to have a legitimate chance to win again next year. Fair enough. You know, I, I, there's no real way to replace him. Obviously, there's no one on the market, and we're not really in a position to, you know, land a huge contract, especially if we're trying to maybe restructure uh, the deal for Martinez and or uh, extend Mookie if his people are even willing to come to the table, which they have not been the last couple years. So. Um, so, yeah, we got Price. He's pitching like an ace, so, uh, fair enough for now. Um, another guy, though, uh, we kind of touched on him in the intro is, uh, Chris Sale. <sighs> the, he's been, like, the most mysterious case of anybody. I mean, you go back to July and we're like, Oh, it's just a phantom injury. They're just trying to slow him down a little bit. 
to put him on pace for a strong October. And then he comes back, but then goes right back on the DL. And then, you know, things started to get a little hairy in early September. You know, the Yankees kind of closed in on us. I had it down to something like five and a half, six and a half games. So they start to ramp up Chris Sale, you know, in preparation for maybe you know, a second half of September run to kind of preserve the lead. But but then the Red Sox, you know, kind of cruise away again from the Yankees and they just kind of started easing him in little by little. I think it was like 40 pitches was the count for the first one. He was an opener. Then they upped it to 65. And then his next two starts were basically, you know, normal, you know, normal pitch counts. But he didn't look good. You know, and and throughout the playoffs, he kept us in games. He was effective that way. His off-speed stuff, he could throw that stuff for strikes. Could not throw his fastball for strikes. So, and it comes out today that they, they didn't say, if you read the tweet, they didn't say he definitely wasn't having surgery, but they said most likely not having it. So... It's still kind of open to interpretation and... I don't want him to have surgery, but I wanted I want to know that they know what the deal is, and I don't think anybody knows that right now. So that just kind of to me puts him in limbo. And even if they say all the right things and he has a good spring training, how how many months is he going to give us in the regular season? Yeah, it's a good question, and. They did pick up his option, but he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, so he'll be 30 this upcoming year. So at 31, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. And he has not made the sort of money that typical elite guys have made. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, he's probably worth over $25 million. But, you know, he, you know, David Price is worth a quarter of a billion. So... Um, he just hasn't had that chance to get to free agency yet. Um, I think he's going to do everything he can to be elite this year to stay healthy. And, you know, there is that phenomenon where unrestricted free agents seemingly have their career years right before they become those, you know, completely free to sign at any dollar they want with any club they want. Um, you know, the, the Red Sox may try to take advantage of the iffy health situation and try to give him some some financial, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, some, some, some financial well-being, um, but it's not going to be huge money. You know, they may say, look, you're going to pitch 20, 2019 at $15 million, and we're going to pay you another $22 million for three years. And they're going to roll the dice that they can keep him healthy for four more years uh, through his year 34 season. We're going to try to save money, you know, because he's a 30 million. If, if, if there was no health concerns, he's a five-year, $30 million a year guy. So maybe you get him for 22 or 25 or some, some discounted rate for three years so that he has the financial certainty uh, going into a season where he's obviously had back-to-back years with some injury situation. So I, I would be I would be surprised if we didn't hear some grumblings here in the next month or two where they do try to extend him with the unknown of his health. Um, but 
Uh, if he gambles on himself, I think that's going to tell you a couple things. One, he doesn't really consider the health issues to be a concerning uh, thing. And and two, he expects to go into 2019 and completely dominate. That is, I'm sure, what he believes he will do. But I don't know. I mean, I just kind of went through some of the red flags and anomalies of the second half of last season. But they did start him game one every series. So... I mean, that kind of tells you that there shouldn't be anything major going on in there. But if it is fatigue, then it's clearly because he does not have the frame to get through a But how a could full it be season. fatigue? He didn't pitch. I, he didn't pitch. He pitched less than a he pitched less than a long reliever would. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing makes sense, I mean, look, though. Nothing makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I know. That, 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 I think that's the point, though, too, is it's frustrating because we don't know what it is. Obviously, if he does, if he's not having surgery, that means it's not like a torn or, or frayed labrum. That means the rotator cuff's not completely gone. Um, you know, Pedro dealt with the frayed rotator cuff for like half a decade, never had surgery on it that I can recall. Um you know, and didn't have velocity at the end of his career, but he was still getting people out at a relatively good clip. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I th- and I think the Red Sox know what what is going on. And like I th- like I said, I do expect them to use the leverage to maybe try to extend him at at reasonable dollars, considering he's you know probably the second best left handed or third best left handed pitcher in baseball. I'll, I'll just say it right now. I I'm just not interested in him. I mean, it, it w- I think it would be a bad contract. And we're sitting here right now with Dustin Pedroia, who's not making you know top dollar by any means. I think he's averaging 14 million per season. But um, but we're looking at the real possibility that he might not play again. You know, in that's three seasons that got wasted. So I just I just don't want to go there. And there's another guy on the market, same exact time Chris Sale is, Madison Bumgarner. Maybe that's where we go. That's that's a guy I would lock up for five or six years. Well, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I'd probably prefer him over over Sale, especially because, uh, but for the ATV incident or whatever happened to Bumgarner, he really hasn't had any issue with health. Um, there's some options in there if you're willing to spend some some team assets. Um, you may have to wait a year or two for Snell, but Snell seems to be the next uh, stud left-handed guy. Um, I think he's got uh, too many too many. Uh, team-friendly uh, seasons left on his rookie deal for the race to consider moving him now, but a year from two, you know, a year or two from now, that'll change. So there are going to be some options. It just isn't going to be this year, and it, it doesn't have to be this year because they picked up his option and he's coming back. Right, and and I was fine with that, obviously, uh, because there's no immediate solution in terms of and, replacing and, him. So, And to get to, to the heart of your point, because we've talked about this, you and I both agree five or six years is a no for both of us. So my question to you, because the, the answer, my answer is yes. Hypothetically, they say they, they sign him this offseason and they say, oh, we're going to sign you from 20, uh, 2020 for three years at $66 million. Would you do it? I probably wouldn't. 
Yeah, see, I disagree with that. Yeah. I think you take the risk because he's that he's that elite. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if if maybe the difference is he needs to throw more off speed or or whatever, uh, he he might have to revamp his his pitching arsenal to accommodate his health or whatever, and, and maybe maybe that's the solution, but. I would just be really uncomfortable with it. And right now, I get that I'm probably in the extreme minority of guys who would say no to that deal. But come next July or August, if he's on the DL, I, I don't. I might still be in the minority, but it's it's going to be you know it's going to be a much bigger well, crowd in there with me. So, so what you're admitting is the team would do it. Um, Maybe as a side note, I'm sorry. Oh, well, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what they know right now. So, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but they know enough to pick up his option at $15 million. So, um, But, hey, uh, and I know you know this, but for the listener, Bumgarner is an unrestricted free agent after this season. So right. that is a factor. That will absolutely be a factor because you know the Red Sox will be in on Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, he lines up perfectly with sales, you know, free agency so i i would do that and that you know that san francisco team is just a dumpster fire of an organization they should have blew it up last year but instead they're trading for these old ass players you know longoria who i think was 33 at the time and um they brought did you see they picked up sandoval's uh option they did they did. It's yeah. it's going to be dirt cheap, but I mean, like, why? You know, uh, I I don't know. And they're they're looking for a GM right now. I thought Bochi would be done after last year, but obviously not because that would have happened by now. So, um, I that I mean that wouldn't be a team I would really want to play for at this point because they just have a lot of issues in the front office. That seemed to be well. Here's here, here's the other thing too. If Sale is not himself, and the Giants are going to be what we think they are, which is absolutely a dumpster fire, he's going to be a guy you can get for a for a prospect or two in July to to solidify your rotation moving forward. Um, it doesn't seem like he showed any, and I'm looking, and I'm not seeing any, you know, willingness to sign with the Giants, or I want to sign with the Giants, or they're having talks. So, unless there's something we don't know, he's another guy where, um, you know, maybe maybe Sale is not healthy that they they don't even wait, like they go out and get him uh, at the trade deadline next year. Well, I I mean, it depends on the cost, because I mean, if you can. You know, if you can get him for zero prospects and just money months later, I mean that, I that's the route I would probably be inclined to take. But um, I guess it just depends on the the market for you know prospects and just the numbers on Sandoval because I think it's it makes me kind of nauseous. The <laughs> option they picked, the Giants picked up, was for five hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars. Right. Um, that's because on the final year of his deal with the Red Sox, the Red Sox will be paying for a guy who will be will be playing in San Francisco, seventeen million dollars. Right. That is 
sickening. Yeah, and that that's how it works. If he if he is released by the Red Sox, then he's only allowed to make the major league minimum with the next team. So that's that's where the five hundred thousand comes from. But um, no, I, I I get it. It just I just wanted to point out how much it disturbed me that we. But hey, look, Hanley comes off the books, so we get that that money back to put into another spot. And then next year, in the all-important, I think Bogarts is first, if I'm not mistaken, next year. Uh, we get $17 million off the books to, to put towards uh, Bogarts, Sale, Bumgardner, you know, whoever it may be. So the timing seems to be okay, um, you know, where next year's team is, is, is mostly coming back. Right. Porcello also will be a free agent next year. That, that, and that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I would... I'd basically give him the same deal he signed, you know, in in 20, uh, 2015, where it, that was a a four year, eighty million dollar deal. So twenty a year, I mean, that's a sustainable contract. And I know he's not really the Cy Young guy that he was, but but he's gonna go at least two hundred innings. He's not going on the DL, and I, that's that would be fine for me. He's going into his year 30, and so he'll be 30 next year. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and offer, and I, honestly, I'd offer I'd offer it to him now. I wouldn't wait. Um, you know, just, just re-up him. You know, he'll wind up with – if it's something that he, he's okay with, it'll it'll be a eight years, $160 million from the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, but pitchers are overpriced. I mean, that's, it's, that, that's what it is. You've got to pay about $1.5 million per win. And uh, you know, and if that's the formula, then that's what Porcello's worth. Yeah, and yeah, no, I would do it. And with his type of stuff, I mean, he should be a guy that could easily pitch effectively until you know age thirty five, thirty six, because he he's never been a power guy. So you know, his arm should be should be pretty healthy because of that. Um, and actually, that just, that reminds me of one thing I wanted to say about Sale. The problem with Sale is for him to change some of the things that are causing his problems, he'd have to reinvent himself. This isn't Price where he just develops a changeup. Like, using Rick as an example, Rick Porcello ha- is so fundamentally sound with his delivery, his motion in his delivery, and he finishes a lot like Greg Maddox used to, which was balanced on two feet, ready to play his, you know, field his position. That is not Chris Sale. His plant foot is basically in the middle of the left-hand batter's box, and then he whips his body around that plant leg to then get his shoulder square to the plate to throw to throw the ball accurately. And it's amazing that he has the command he has doing that. But that is a, a big part of why I think there's been an added stress on his arm, and now his, he's going to be 30 next year. Um, and so my concern is if you get him to stride from the rubber to the plate directly – is he one? Is his stuff going to be the same? And the answer to that is probably a no. Uh, but either way, even if it's something you're going to attempt, you're asking a guy um, who wouldn't wear a retro jersey without <laughs> slicing them up, so he wouldn't have to to completely reinvent himself. And Terry, maybe maybe you disagree with this. I don't think you will. I I don't see that as a possibility, and that's one of the reasons why I I'd only be willing to go three years on a guy like that because uh, I'll bet you a buck that. 
he will in his year uh, in his uh, 35 season. Yeah, and you could be exactly right. Um, he, um, but I, I do think he's he's smart though, and can, you know, figure that stuff out. So, well, that you know, and he look, it'd be it'd be silly for me not to mention that he has a plus plus slider, and if he is healthy enough to throw that slider, he's gonna he's gonna have some level of effect on. On, on on a lineup at least two and a half times through. So, right, absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, Nunez opted in today. That's a pretty affordable four million dollar contract. So, he'll he'll be your starting second baseman uh, opening day next year because because is not going to be ready. He may never be ready. Yeah. And but the talk is that you know if he's healthy enough, he's going to hit leadoff opening day only. So I think, and I think he could. I mean, that's reasonable that he can kind of bullshit his way through spring training in order to get to that moment because he did wiggle his way into the lineup this year. So um, well, P- Pedroia is not going to be ready. They've already admitted that, and there there's no chance they're going to re-sign Kinsler. Um, and Holt, it has to be over 162 games. Your super utility guy, because he's just so valuable. He hit. He hits. He hits. Um, you know, he hits in all different types of roles. So I, I think he'll be your super utility guy. And, I, and if Pedroia comes back, then Pedroia becomes your second baseman, mostly because you're paying him 15 million. But if he doesn't, then it becomes a situation where he, um, despite his bad defense, um, he's going to be your second baseman. Uh, he'll probably be your second baseman until the all-star break where they probably will have to make another move for another second baseman that can play some defense. So he'll be back. He's at an affordable uh, number, like you said, so not terrible. But you can agree with me that Kinsler's gone, right? Oh, he's definitely gone. And actually, um, I was just reading something uh, shortly before we came on. Um, Michael Chavis will be taking uh, grounders and getting some work in at second base over the winter and then of course they'll have a lot of spring training to develop that further but he is already viewed basically as as a major league level hitter uh, as he currently is so it's just how quickly can they um, get him defensively at the major league level so I think you're you could conceivably see him in the Red Sox lineup as early as probably mid-May. Don't disagree with that. I just think when he comes up, it's going to be an everyday player. It's not. They're not going to. They're not going to fuck around with that type of prospect. Um, so you're going to see the way they handled uh, Ben Attendee, where they just plugged him in, and that was. And he became. He becomes an everyday guy. He will not come up to platoon. Um, I think he's a right-handed hitter, Terry. You know, I'm not positive. Uh, he he is. I'm looking at Baseball Reference. He's a right-handed stick. Okay. So um, you're not going to see a platoon with a guy like Nunez. Um, so if he becomes your second baseman and and he hasn't played that spot yet, so that'd be interesting. But um, you know, he's a he's the type of prospect you put in, and you hope he's there for ten years. Yeah, and he could be. You know, I've been really disappointed that they haven't given Sam Travis a chance to. Um, you know, hold down, uh, uh, you know, an everyday spot. And he's been successful at every level and shown flashes of it, 
you know, at, you know, in, in the limited time he's had um, with the Red Sox. But for whatever reason, they just don't commit to him. And um, I, I expect, like, like yourself, that Chavis will be will be looked at a lot differently and be given a, a bigger opportunity. Um, one thing, though, to possibly consider here is. Does Devers stay at third base, or do they convert him into a first baseman? It's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. Um, he's not going to be a first baseman this year because you have Moreland. So my answer to your question is I'm going to put off the answer for a year. Um, but if he does not make – he had 24 errors this year and he had two stints on the disabled list. So he's like a 30, 35 error guy, um, over a full slate. Yeah, that's, that, that's a, that's a significant issue. So it's certainly something that's going to get looked at, but because it's not an issue they're going to make this year, I want to get back to Sam Travis. Um, and a guy we have not talked about who happened to win the MVP. And I don't know if you've heard, but he's going to Macy's. Uh, to sign autographs, although he will not sign personalized memorabilia. So, for whatever that's worth. But um, if they, if they, I think Pierce is going to go to the highest bidder, and obviously he's coming off where maybe his value's never been higher, despite the fact that he's 35 years old. And I just don't blame guys that are going to go get the max money at the end of their career. So, if somebody throws two years and 20 million, he's he's he'll go play for, you know, whoever. But if he's going to come back on Moreland money or less, um, which is probably what it would have taken before the playoff run, um, I, I'd like to see him back. I, I think he plays an underrated first base, and I, he crushes left-handed pitching. I mean, he's an absolute – you know, in my FanDuel lineups, he if it's, if, he's, if it's a left-handed starter, he's always the MVP. I mean, he just crushes left-handed pitching, and I'd love to see him back. If he's not, Sam Travis becomes the platoon guy, I think, at first base. Um, I know he's played some left too, so he gives you a little bit of flexibility. I don't think they they have any desire to put him in the outfield, um, but I think he will be um, somebody that could jump into that right-handed bat uh, uh, to complement Moreland. And regardless, though, for next year, I think it's got to be Devers at third. Yeah, and it, it most likely will. I I would like to see them eventually move him across the diamond and. Another concern I have is just health. I mean, he's a pudgy guy. Typically, you know, they're not the most graceful when it comes to moving around. They they could get injury prone, and, and he did get dinged up a little bit this year. So I'm kind of hoping the, the long-term plan for him will be first base. And the other thing to consider, too, and not, not so much for Devers, but maybe for Chavis, maybe for Sam Travis, maybe even Bobby Dahlbeck, who won't be up too early in the season but he was at double a for a while this year and it wouldn't shock me at all if he's a july or august addition to this roster there's a lot of ways where nunez and possibly Moreland could simply be released i mean they're they're on short money and if these young kids are outperforming them and making it difficult to to justify keeping Nunez and and Moreland around, 
those are the easiest guys to to cut loose to make that happen. So I'm not convinced that even though they'll be on the opening day roster, they won't necessarily be here in September. And hopefully, you know, if we make it that's to a, October. That's an interesting thought. I don't think you'd have to release those guys. If healthy, I think there'd be a trade market where you could maybe flip a guy like Nunez for a reliever. Um, I think Moreland has a little bit more value. Um, his he, He's been a very consistent major league play, player. He's won a gold glove. That's a guy where if you do feel like you have the answer at first base moving forward, um, you know, maybe you use that piece to, to fill – some other some other role and i would envision that maybe bullpen help um i but it's not lost on me i mean if you know um i'm not real high on sam travis um i just don't i I don't know i've seen enough from him where i'm just not necessarily excited about him he hasn't had enough consistent major league bats that um i'm sorry at bats that uh you know, the sample size is big enough to make a determination one way or the other. He just doesn't impress me. Uh, I don't necessarily love his approach to the plate. He's not overly athletic. Um, he's not a plus defender. So um, I get it. Uh, he's obviously he, – he would probably be on a big league club and maybe like 18 other teams. But he doesn't seem to me to be the answer moving forward anywhere in the nine spot. So – you know, and then the other guy that we haven't really talked about is, you know, they, they carried three catchers all the way through the playoffs. I mean, what the hell are they going to do with Swihart? Um, you know, or, you know, I just, I can't imagine they're going to go through another season like that. I think maybe they use one of those assets also to fill a role. Uh, so something to think about. Yeah, I saw something from someone today, one of the beat writers, and it looks like, Possibly Sandy Leone might be the odd man out, and and Swihart's just gonna get more time catching, and and they can always obviously plug him in to the field somewhere. Um, we but. we've had that conversation, and that's the way I felt for a really long time. I, um, I mean, you may piss off a guy like Chris Sale, who you know, Sandy Leone is his, you know, basically his binky. Um, but he just offers nothing offensively, and he is good defensively, and obviously the guys like him. But Swihart's, a, I would say, a, an elite athlete in the catcher spot. Um, gives you some things that just most, most, most current, you know, post the heavy steroid era. Catchers just aren't that athletic. They don't run that well. Um, and, again, he's another guy who has not had consistent major league at-bats where, where you know what he's going to ultimately be. Um, I don't think he's going to be a great hitter, but I think he is going to give you certainly more than a guy like Leon. By the way, um, he was so bad in um, what? Where, what game did he come in in the World Series? I think it was Game Four where he just couldn't catch. I think it was Kimbrel. He he literally couldn't catch the ball. That was so odd to see in a Major League Baseball game, let alone a World Series. So just a little anecdote there. Is that that's why Hart you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did. Huh. He just and, and he kept he kept like seemingly saying, "I'm being crossed up. I'm being crossed up." But I don't think he was. I think he just like wasn't catching the ball. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know, man. I, and and they say he's really good, and they and the team is obviously very high on him because, to a certain extent, they ch- they chose Swihart over Hanley. Um, but um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the catcher's position. I just I think it's I think it 
it limits the versatility the versatility of your roster by having three catchers and it's not something i would do yeah I, and i don't expect that they will to be honest with you so um you know so who knows i mean they have basically till the end of spring training to to figure that out and you know injuries could happen or whatever that could dictate how uh you know they take a certain path so uh, Terry, what's your what's your what's your position on Pierce though? You still haven't really given. Uh, yeah, up. I was just thinking about that. I I don't think they're gonna bring him back, and that sounds crazy to think that they won't bring back their World Series MVP. But there's just so many cheaper options that look like they're gonna be available, and then you have Nunez, you have Holt. It, it's just there's a hell of a logjam right now throughout the infield, and and I think somebody's gonna give him a decent amount of money. He made six million this year, so even if he's given that for, you know, a, another two years or whatever, that's you know, that's probably something the Red Sox are not gonna do. They're probably not gonna go more than a year and I just think some other team's gonna swoop in and sign him and I think he knows. I mean this is the six or seventh team at least that he's been on maybe even his eighth or ninth I, I don't even know but he's been with a lot of teams every team in the al east and i think he understands the situation so um i just find yeah, it a long made, shot he made, he made 6.25 million each of the last two seasons right but he's he isn't he is a uh borderline elite hitter against left-handed starting pitching you know he's got a mid nine OPS, not something to scoff at, um, especially when the Red Sox really um, historically have struggled against left-handed pitching. He just crushes left-handed pitching, and and he's not going to get beat by, seemingly regardless of whether they're a, a mixing breaking pitches type of guy or just an elite you know plus plus fastball. He never seems overmatched by a left-handed. A pitcher and with Moreland having some durability issues um, and he's the type of guy to go in a prolonged slump I think you're definitely going to need a right-hand bat to complement first base and to me he seems like a great option the problem is he's 35 years old and may be a little bit overvalued because of the MVP in the World Series true and if Nunez didn't opt in today then it becomes a much easier path as well and maybe here this would be an absolute long shot as well but maybe what if the Red Sox decide to just trade Moreland and then that frees up you know a spot for Pierce I mean I wouldn't be shocked especially given the durability but I, I don't think that will happen I don't either because I think they like Moreland. I like Moreland. I mean, he made an all-star team this year, and he. Ha- I don't need everyone to be a superstar. Um, and Moreland seems to be a really consistent player, major league player, great defensive player. Um, and he's a pretty he's a pretty good left-handed hitter. Uh, you know, he's not an elite guy um, by any means, but I, I think he's. Um, you know, he he's a mid eight. 800 uh, OPS guy um, and and I think he has too much value to uh, I'm actually wrong in 2018 he was a 758 so slightly above average but um, you know the money's the money's realistic and 
Um, I, I think the Red Sox like him, and I, and I don't. I just don't see him going anywhere. Um, so I would. I would. To me, the answer at first base would be a complement right-handed hitter, and obviously Pierce is perfect in that role. Again, I just harken back to the fact that if he can get two years, sixteen million, or two years, twenty million, or some ridiculous last contract, and he's going to be thirty-six next season. And I don't blame him. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all about athletes getting paid when they can. So, but, but, but I'd love to have Pierce back at money that makes sense. Yeah, two years, twelve million. I do two years, twelve million. I just, I do, I do, I do one year, eight million. Um, you know, I think I'd overpay a little bit for just the flexibility of having him for one more year. Yeah. I just think there's just too big of a log jam, but I like him, and if they find a way to do it, you're not going to see me complaining for sure. It's just, I just don't see how it fits, that's all. Um, all right, well, you know what? I think uh, I think that's good enough for, uh, for this episode. Um, more uh, stuff might come out in the next few days, so uh, maybe early next week we'll come on here and... Uh, go through all of the new information but uh yeah i mean look as a last little point we didn't talk about any of the outfield spots um we didn't talk about uh, about shortstop we have answers at third second and first already already on the roster we have almost too much uh help at catcher there's not a lot of issues with the starting rotation everyone's coming back you know, so I mean, we can talk about. We're talking about ancillary pieces here, Terry. We're not talking about major pieces. Uh, so it's it's uh, encouraging that they'll be they'll be back. Hopefully, they'll make some make some moves and and be ready to try to maybe even repeat next year. I think they're definitely going to have a chance at it. I, I, it's so hard. I don't think they will, but. It's exciting that maybe we won't have such a letdown after winning the World Series. So, but hey, thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, have a good night, bud. You too. All right. Episode 98. We are nearing number 100. And uh, that'll probably be, that could be, you know, late next week for all I know. But um, we'll see what happens, see if any quick signings happen. We talked about Evaldi. He wants to come back. He has said that. I'd be shocked if Joe Kelly wasn't kind of in the same boat. He wants to come back. So we'll see if they can make quick work out of a contract. But uh, And that might be the case with Kelly. But with Evoldi, he's got a much more interesting market. So um, could be several days and or weeks before um, we see how that plays out. So, um, but... Nonetheless, we'll keep an eye on things. It's an interesting time of year. Also, we only covered Red Sox, but um, Manny Machado is on the market, arguably the top free agent. Bryce Harper right up there with him, and uh, plenty to uh, to monitor outside of the Red Sox as well. So. Everyone have a good rest of your evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you listen. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week.
eternity I sleepwalk 